Okay, good morning. Good afternoon. Get rid of Google Assistant. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Uh, welcome to Free Association. Um, this will be the 2nd of June. Midnight show, so it's literally, it's not quite midnight yet, but by the time I get organized, it will be almost. Uh, it's about eight minutes to midnight, so I'm calling it the 2nd of January show, 2nd of, sorry, 2nd of, of June show. I'll start again from the beginning. Honestly, what, non what nonsense, because it's late, it's late and I'm getting tired, but I've got, got I've got some stuff from the Durant at play because there's been some uh, some things happening in Ukraine. So I want to start. Um, I'm just going to play ten minutes of each of these. I've got three videos downloaded. I want to play the first ten minutes of each and and get a half an hour short together from those clips. Uh, but I think there's there's been enough happening in. Ukraine to, to justify a half an hour show in the middle of the night effectively. So here we go. All right, Alexander, let's talk about the situation in, uh, in Ukraine and what's going on on the ground. Um, we can talk about the, the south region, Kherson, and what's happening there. We can talk about um, Donbass, Severodonetsk, uh, Lysychansk, uh, the North Lugansk uh, area. And uh, we can also discuss the fact that uh, Ukraine President Zelensky went to, uh, to the front line to Kherson as well. I'd like your thoughts there. Uh, a PR opportunity, obviously, but okay. Um, still, uh, the mainstream media is saying that he did it to improve morale of the troops since what a, what a great leader he is for doing that. So um, there's a lot of stuff going on on the ground, but I think the general theme is uh, that Russia continues to, to grind away at the Ukraine military. Of course, we have the, uh, I don't know, has it been confirmed in the UK, UK and the US that they are sending uh, MLRS uh, weapons to no, it uh, hasn't. Ukraine? I think that's been no, it power. Hasn't. No, it hasn't. Okay. No, okay. it hasn't. Because um, you get a lot of not reports. Yeah, okay, okay. So anyway, there's the talk about that as well. Um, and that's going to be the next the next game changer. We've had like 10 game changers. I do think the Harpoon missiles have started to ship. I'm not sure. Is that correct? Yeah, or... uh, that is correct. That is absolutely correct. Okay, yes. okay. So yeah, well, what, what's going on? Well, let's let's talk about the, the you know first of all Zelensky and you know him going to visit the troops and raising morale and all that. Well, you know that's what leaders do in war. So yes, be overly you know let's not be critical of him meeting his troops. Perhaps much more interesting is what he says, and he spoke in a way that suggested that things are not going well. He talked about um, terribly difficult times. In, especially in Donbass, things are not going at all well. And I thought the most interesting thing he said of all, by the way, was that, yes, we have to start negotiating with the Russians. It's the only way we can do that. And he, he seemed to be rather less absolutist about saying Ukraine's going to get Crimea back and Donbass back. And he seemed to accept that it would be impossible uh, you know, it would cost hundreds of thousands of lives to try to retake these places. Of course, they can't retake these places. But he seemed to say, look, we, we, we have to negotiate. But in order to 
get ourselves into a position of negotiating. We have to start retaking territory. Now, there is an extraordinarily tall order. There's an extraordinary big demand to make of an army that is being absolutely bruised every day and which, instead of gaining ground, appears to be losing it. Now, in the crucial battlefield, which is northern Donbass, I mean, I was getting news this morning that the Russians now control around half of Severodonetsk, and they're pressing on and capturing most of it. And it seems that, again, the Ukrainian command, the local governor, have all been saying, we've got to pull these troops out of, these, out of this city, and we've got to pull them out of Lysychansk. The roads are almost closed. The Russian artillery is striking against them. But, you know, we can still just about do it. We've got to do it because we need these men more than we need these cities. And it seems extraordinary, but Ukraine still says that they're not doing it. They're, the government, the political leadership, refused to allow these troops to be withdrawn. And, you know, when you hear what Zelensky says, that we've got to start regaining territory rather than losing it before we can talk. Well, that, I suppose, is the reason why they're making these extraordinary do, you know, stand and fight orders, even though they are, I think, playing directly into Russian hands. All right, let's try the next one. This is the next one. Good day. Over the last few hours, there's been some confirmation, though the information is as yet tentative, about a collapse of Ukrainian resistance in Severodonetsk. There's been various different claims as to the extent of Russian control in Severodonetsk, but most assessments that I've seen accept that the Russians control between a half and 85% of it, with a few going further still and saying that Russia controls all the residential areas, apart from a few stragglers still holding out in a few apartment buildings, and with the major, the main Ukrainian forces that were defending uh, Severodonetsk having fled as is now the custom in these battles in Ukrainian cities, East Ukrainian cities, having fled to the industrial areas located just outside those cities. Now, there was some discussion on some uh, Russian blogs about whether this was an organized withdrawal and certain comments by certain Ukrainian officials, including the Ukrainian governor of Lugansk province, might suggest that, that the Ukrainians finally decided that this policy of standing and fighting and defending every inch of ground is a mistake and that it's better to carry out organized withdrawals from untenable and undefendable positions to shorten supply lines, uh, 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 shorten the areas uh, uh, that uh, straighten out the areas that have to be defended and to save troops and equipment from certain loss. I have to say straight away that actually get the information from the ground, the information I'm getting from the ground does not 
suggest that these withdrawals are orderly at all. There was an account by a French journalist, for example, which I read yesterday, uh, in which the French journalist um, says that he was in Severodonetsk, that he spoke with a Ukrainian army officer in Severodonetsk, um, a city where he described the condition of the Ukrainian army as dire. But anyway, he spoke to a Ukrainian officer in Severodonetsk who was defending a bridge over the Seversky Donetsk River, a bridge linking Severodonetsk to the neighboring town of Lysychansk. And the orders that the Ukrainian officer had received and the troops he commanded was to defend the bridge and to prevent the Russians from capturing it. This bridge being presumably the bridge across which the Ukrainian troops would have to retreat if they were to flee from Severodonetsk to Lysychansk. Anyway, the Ukrainian officer told the French journalist that this order was illogical. And the reason it is illogical is because the bridge in question was destroyed some time ago. In other words, the Ukrainian officer is defending a bridge which does not actually exist. Now, this is particularly extraordinary that this officer is apparently getting these illogical orders about defending a bridge which no longer exists from the Ukrainian high command, given that I clearly recall about two weeks ago a reports, reports from uh, many uh, bloggers, information sites, multiple sources, both Russian and Ukrainian, which confirmed that this bridge had indeed been destroyed by a Russian missile strike. So it seems that the Ukrainian command, either the high command in Kiev or the regional command in Kramatorsk, is not aware of the actual situation on the battlefields and is less informed about the information on the battlefields than some bloggers, both on the Russian and, and on the Ukrainian side. And I have to say that this is only just one indication of chaos. All right, let's switch to Alex Christoforou now. This is my second video update for the day. And in this update, we have got to talk about the Joe Biden op-ed in the New York Times with the title, What America Will Do and What America Will Not Do in Ukraine. And then we have to talk about this uh, German-Greek tank swap deal. And then we're just going to do a clown world, and that'll be the video. So three stories, two and a half stories, and uh, we will wrap up this video. It is early evening in, uh, in Greece. It's a little past uh, 8 o'clock, but uh, we still got some daylight, so I figured why not do a video. So let me just show you this statue here. And I don't know if you guys can make that out. But the Greek municipality, the uh, the mayor of uh, of Athens, uh, the Athens municipality, the mayor of Athens, Spiro Mercuri, 1908. Does that name Mercuri sound familiar? You can see there's some writing over here as well. 
maybe the camera can catch it over there. So, yeah. Anyway, enough sightseeing for this evening. Let's talk uh, geopolitics and let's talk about the Biden uh, op-ed, the essay in, uh, in the New York Times. Now, this essay, it had its, the usual talking points, the kind of boilerplate, boilerplate uh, talking points that we've become used to with regards to uh, the collective Western Russia. Um, you know, we stand united. We're stronger than ever. Putin is evil. Putin bad. Uh, he's only brought uh, the West and the Allies closer, and we're going to win this. Freedom, democracy, etc., etc., etc. Okay, we've... Uh, We've gotten used to all of these um, these narratives and these talking points over the last three to even six months. All this stuff kind of predates these talking points, predate the special military operation. But there were three interesting uh, passages and three interesting points made in uh, in the Biden essay. And uh, just a quick aside, if uh, anyone believes that Biden actually wrote this essay, well, I have a breach to sell you. This essay was written by someone in his, in his administration, perhaps Sullivan, perhaps uh, Blinken, or someone close to Blinken or Sullivan, but it was definitely not penned by uh, Joe Biden, that's for sure. But uh, three interesting points made in this op-ed, and three interesting uh, narratives that are better said in this op-ed. The first uh, narrative, which is probably the one that's gaining the most media attention, is the fact that the Biden White House has decided to send the HIMARS, the uh, long-range missiles, to Ukraine with one condition, that uh, Ukraine has given assurances that they will not use those missiles to hit Russian territory. Now, these HIMARS, they're six missiles. They're very mobile. Um, they have a range of around 80, 80 kilometers, 50 miles, and uh, Ukraine is hoping that these are these are the game changers, right? This is this is going to be the game changing weapon. But uh, Biden insists in this op-ed that he does not want the United States to get involved in this war. That is what he said. He, he said that the United States will not become a party to this war. And he said that he has received assurances from the Alensky regime that this uh, high bar system will not be used to strike Russian territory. Now, Peskov, the Kremlin spokesperson, has uh, sounded off with regards to the sending of these uh, HIMAR missiles, these weapons. And he pretty much said that uh, you have to be out of your mind to believe assurances given by Ukraine and given by the Alensky regime. And Peskov made it a point to say that uh, Ukraine has already tried tried to strike Russian territory with various strikes uh, in and around uh, the border with Kharkov and uh, the Belgorod area. And uh, Peskov said that this is not to be believed, that Ukraine, the minute they get these, if, if they get these, uh, these, these weapons, because I'm sure the Russians have already prepared for this, and I'm sure they're going to try to take out as many of these weapons as they can. But if some make it to the front line, then Peskov said they're going to definitely 
try to send these to uh, to Russian territory. So that was the Kremlin's response. But either way, Biden in the op-ed said that he has received assurances. Zelensky has told him, no, no, no way, Bidenopolis, we will not be using this to strike uh, Russian territory. So that is the first point of the uh, of the op-ed. The um. All right, that's that's enough from Alex. That's fifteen minutes. Um, I'm going to call that a night because it's it's just turned midnight, and uh, I do need to get some sleep at some point. But uh, I might do midnight shows. Uh, I'll do short midnight shows if I do them at all. But uh, that was that was quite fun, and I can I can move around on Telegram. And, uh, and do a show on Podbean quite easily on my mobile. So it should be relatively easy to do. Just do quick 15-minute shows with shorter clips. Anyway, that's that's enough from me. Thanks for listening. I'll see you tomorrow.